Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, happy Friday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Hope you're getting ready for the weekend. I am, as always, your humble host. And uh, yeah, today you're in store for another fun-filled episode. Today we are having a returning guest. He's a good friend of ours, part of the Brian Nichols Show family. You know him. You love him. The one and only Kenny Cody. Welcome back to the Brian Nichols Show. Hey, Brad. How are you, brother? Doing good, my friend. Doing good. Good to see you. I know it's been a little bit since we last had you in the program. We've both been a little busy, to say the least. Uh, you, you're back in person teaching school, uh, which I think uh, I know a lot of parents are excited about. Now, I, I will say you're in Tennessee, right? So we're seeing a little bit, maybe a different approach to the, the government schools, the public schools that we'd see I don't know, in uh, Philadelphia, where I was just spending the past seven years. Uh, so how have things been, Kenny Cody? Back to normal. I was telling my friend, uh, she's actually visiting from D.C. this week, and uh, I, I, she lives in D.C., and you know all the mandates and everything are still in place. And I'm saying, we've been back to normal since about the start of uh, the school year in August. Um, there's no, <laughs> been no restrictions or anything like that. Um, you know, t- t- the Tennessee legislator knows that authoritarian mandates kind of kept us slowed down for too long, and we're, we're, we're back. To, we've been back to normal for almost a year. So there you go. Well, I was uh, I, I just recently moved out to Indiana. The audience has heard this story many a time over the past four months because it was the best decision I probably made in the past 10 years. Um, and when you look at Philadelphia, they were one. No, they were the only city uh, to consider and then actually implement the uh, mask mandate once again here just this past week. And guess what? They uh, went not even a week, and they they already have have turned it back, and they removed the mask mandate. And I think that the biggest visual now we're recording here, obviously on Friday, there was a a Philadelphia 76ers game that was taking place, and uh, this is just after the mask mandate went back into place. And you look at the the Wells Fargo uh, Center where the the uh, 76ers play, maybe you know like a hundred, two hundred people wearing masks. It's over. It's the end of Ferris yeah. Bueller's Day Off, where Matthew Broderick walks up, he goes, "You're still here." Go home. It's over. That, that's COVID. And yet we still see, Kenny, you got like Anthony Fauci who's coming out saying, well, you got to go ahead and you got to listen to the CDC. It's like, I don't know why I made a little Bernie Sanders there too. Um, but like, it's over. It, th- this, yeah. this time of COVID, this time of constant fear porn, it's not, people aren't, aren't buying what the, they were selling there for the past two years. And, you know, seeing like to your point, things back to normal, God, it's refreshing. It, it, yeah, it, it is. I mean, especially seeing the kids happy and seeing the students happy is 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 a, is a great thing. Um, you know, it, it's it's funny to me. I think that that Fauci is just wanting to say the most outlandish things just to get back on television because he's coming on so long. Um, you know, th- saying the CDC and the, the best the, the best comment it tells me everything I need to know about him is when he said, "If you question Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're criticizing Dr. Anthony Fauci. You're criticizing science itself." The science. So that, tell, that tells me everything I need to know. He he just wants to be back in the spotlight again. Oh yeah, well, and and the power too, right? This is going to be yeah. the overarching theme as we we move out of this. Is once the power is is given, it's very very difficult to take away. And we're seeing right now in the repeal of the uh, the CDC mask mandate by the uh, the Florida judge down there this uh, earlier this week, and just you know, the 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 people across the United States outrageously excited about this. Videos going galore, people ripping their masks off and celebrating on airplanes, and yet. The Biden administration is actually repealing, or they're appealing this decision by the Florida judge, and uh, they're arguing it's it's for the CDC and in future circumstances to be able to maintain this power. And 
the authority and and it kind of strikes you oh this isn't about keeping people safe or or avoiding illness it it's about control, control. it's about power mm-hmm. and, and, and that's the, just the truth i mean the fact that they are living up to a a government agency that has really no restricted power and just gives rec- out recommendations anyway i mean the cdc has no purpose besides to do research and then provide state governments local governments and the federal government on policies to create the cdc has no governing power so the fact that the Biden administration automatically goes to we need to listen and this is for the cdc we need to listen to the cdc or whatever, I, I don't really understand the argumentation. They're, they're, they're not a governing body. They're not the Department of Health. They're not the Tennessee Department of Health. They're not the Pennsylvania Department of Health. They are a recommendation-based government agency. So to say that we need to leave it up to the CDC really just shows how much control the federal government and this administration wants to give the federal government. They want yeah. to go back. If, if it was up to them, they would uh, fear-monger the American public back into their homes. Um, they would probably push for, you know, um, mail-in voting, early voting, things like that. Um, just and so just look at that they're gonna have a chance in the, in the 2022 elections. You know, that fear mongering, send people back home, don't let people be participative, don't let people be aware and keep, you know, no, no, no see no evil, hear no evil, uh, speak no evil. Uh, they want they want to do that to the American public and they don't want to hear the evil that the, the federal government's actually spouting still. Um, they, 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 they don't they want to hold on to every opportunity they can get because they know that's the only reason that they can win is to make, you know, everybody fear monger, fear monger the American public, make, make sure everybody is in fear. If you get the Republicans back, you know, back to the House or the presidency or the Senate, then we're going to go back and we're going to go into COVID again. Um, so it's, 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 it's entertaining to me to, to see them hanging on to the very last threads of their own political hope. Yup. Well, and and this is why it's so important, right? When we we go to the the voting booth and we present candidates for the voters to choose in said vote, voting booth, that we're presenting not just candidates, but good candidates, the right candidates. And right. you just wrote an article over at Newsmax, and uh, you know we're going to go ahead and quickly run through this. It was Walker. Oz, exemplify the rise of celebrity conservatism. Now, you're referring to Herschel Walker, who I appreciate more as a Dallas Cowboys fan for helping us essentially lay the found, uh, foundation and groundwork for the 90 Super Bowls that we have won and has been the only real uh, thing that we can put in our, our cap for uh, anything over the past 25 years. He was traded to the Minnesota Vikings, in which the Vikings gave up, I think it was like pretty much two drafts worth of picks. Um, he is now running for U.S. Senate in uh, Georgia. And then mm-hmm. you uh, mentioned Dr. Oz, right? Everybody's favorite, favorite doctor. Um, and he is now running for Senate in uh, U.S. Senate, that is, in Pennsylvania. But, Kenny, you're a little concerned because are they really principled conservatives or liberty advocates? Or are they more so taking advantage of, and I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, the popularity suddenly of being more in the liberty slash right of center camp. It was, it was interesting. So Herschel Walker was always from, from what I've always looked at his political activism. He's always been a Republican, right? I mean, he endorsed Donald Trump. He was one of the, he spoke at the 2020 RNC. He uh, has always been a Republican has always, you know, leaned to the, to the rot of social conservative issues of uh, fiscally conservative issues and things like that. So he's always been a, pretty secure conservative in those kind of terms so i'm not really nervous about mr walker i think a lot of people's concerns were the concerns of dr oz who's been a hollywood conservative a hollywood doctor had a show on prime time television for so many years um so i was a little bit concerned when i heard about him at first um but looked into him and to be quite honest it's really strange you know in pennsylvania 
it's sort of a moderate state, right? I mean, Pat Toomey is the current senator now. He's, of course, retiring. And uh, John Fetterman is a far-left socialist who is running for the Democratic nomination uh, for the Senate, is more than likely going to win. He's the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. Um, and then you have uh, Dr. Oz. And I think that he is actually going to be a very, very good senator. Um, I, I'm not really sure as of yet. As it, I think he's the best option at this point, especially in comparison to Dave McCormick, who he's running against in the primary, who has been a very much of a neocon forum policy wise, a very liberally conservative, very liberty, liberal fiscally. Um, and he's very concerning to me. So if anything, I'd be for Dr. Oz sort of because Dave McCormick is so bad and he would win if Dr. Oz didn't get the Trump endorsement and didn't win the primary. Um, but from what I've looked at his campaign, it's really a blank slate campaign because the dude has always, you know, donated to Republicans, um, been very involved in the conservative movement in terms of fundraising and giving money to Republican candidates. Um, while he shared some kind of questionable beliefs on on television and in the public because of him being in Hollywood, um, very I think Trump saw something in him that was very similar to himself, where he, had, you know, kind of expressed sort of these progressive leaning social viewpoints uh, because he was in Hollywood and because he was on television and things like that. Um, but Doctor. Oz seems to be running the, one of the most liberty center campaigns, one of the most America first campaigns in the entire country, which is really strange to me in a sort of, like I said, a moderate state, a swing state like Pennsylvania, uh, who is kind of, you know, I think they have a Democratic governor um, and another, a Democratic senator besides Pat Toomey. Um, it's kind of strange, but I think that Oz is the best option for that state because of the candidate he has presented himself as. Now, we could go in and if he wins, he'd go in and be the, one of the worst senators. He could be another Mitt Romney. He could be another Susan Collins. For all that I know, I don't know that in, right, right now. But right now, what he is running on his campaign, at least, his campaign, the way he is campaigning to the, to the uh, voters of Pennsylvania – he seems to be a, a sort of a liberty-leaning, America-first conservative. And I think that's what Pennsylvania needs right now, especially to replace sort of a kind of a wheat moderate like Pat Toomey. I think that Oz would be 10 times better than Pat Toomey, and he would definitely be better than Dave McCormick and 100 times be better than John Fetterman. So to me, I think Trump made the right endorsement here in both cases. He also endorsed Walker. Um the reason that I, I wrote this article about celebrity conservatism is for so long, the Democrat Party has basically capitalized on the idea that Hollywood helps them, you know, fundraise Hollywood and TV and celebrities help them promote their party. And now conservatives are starting to get that wing of Hollywood, right? Like, like with Trump, with Herschel Walker, with Dr. Oz, three of the most recognizable names in uh, in the American public. You're hitting all areas. You're hitting reality television. You're hitting primetime television. And you're hitting, hitting American sports with those three candidates, with those three people that are involved in the Republican Party now. So I think we really have to look at how much we can capitalize on Republicans and people who are sort of celebrities but are kind of ready to come out of their shell. Right. Because, you know, Hollywood and the left has ostracized celebrities that sort of had these left leaning tendencies, like in people like Kelsey Grammer and others. Um, uh, that the guy like that, I think, I think it's Anthony Sabato or Antonio Sabato, whatever his name is. People who have been ostracized, Dean Kane is another one, um, that have been ostracized for their conservative belief systems. And now you have these two well, well, very well known, like you said about Hershey Walker with the Dallas Cowboys, then Dr. Oz being, having on, being on prime time, America's favorite doctor. Those two people are now running as Republicans with ours next to the name on ballots that are statewide in two, I guess you would call them swing states. Um, and I, one's running against incumbent, one's running for an open seat. And I think that that idea and that sort of shift in the Republican Party's direction is a good thing because you're kind of making people come out of the shell not ashamed to be conservatives anymore. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, right? Um, because I will say 
I, it, this has this moment of very Tea Party feeling, like 2008, 2009 feel, when you could just tell that there was a large faction of Republicans who were just sick and tired. But it seems that COVID has really made it easy to be pro-liberty. Um, like, you, they, they, like I don't mean to make the, the war analogy, but like the battle lines had been drawn. You, you were either in you know in favor of all the covid mandates the covid regulations the lockdowns the masking the, the forced vax you know all that from the beginning or not necessarily the beginning but that was the camp that you ended up siding on or the camp that hey this maybe didn't have to go this way and it didn't have to be this way if you saw you know south by southwest canceling their events before any government mandate comes in maybe it's showing that the private sector was going to be able to respond to this and and not need that one centralized approach to dealing with COVID. And I guess maybe there's another camp, right? And it was those pretty much from the beginning who were like, you know, red red flag. There seems to be a lot of things here that aren't adding up and we need to be very, very cautious. But going back to my point, now all of a sudden you're finding a lot of people kind of in that two-thirds camp of people who either A, were a little, you know, hey, I'll do what I got to do for the, you know, the two weeks to slow the spread, um, you know, up until you saw what seemed to be the solution that was the vaccines. And now we're seeing that the vaccines maybe weren't as effective as they were promised or, or sold to be. And now we're at a point where COVID's pretty much normal. It's it's going to be part of our, our society going forward. It's much more transmissible and much, much less deadly than the original variant was back in March 2020. So, the fact that we're seeing right now people being able to kind of identify with one of those two camps primarily, I would say it makes it a lot easier for folks yep. like Dr. Oz or Herschel Walker. And this is the other part that blew me away. I saw a recent um, interview. I forget who it was that was being interviewed, um, but one of the, the top GOP pollsters out there and of the top candidates right now for 2024. So Trump, obviously, Ron DeSantis, Obviously, and then the other names that were you know shocking and kind of catchy off guard: Tim Scott, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and mm-hmm. and this right here, Kenny goes to kind of this rise of the celebrity conservatism. Now, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, he endorsed Biden and Harris back in 2020, right? Herschel Walker, to your point, uh, endorsed Trump. Now, does that make somebody necessarily a you know strong conservative or a strong progressive or a strong squishy moderate centrist? That's not the the argument, I would say, but more so, I guess going back to my original concern, do you see a possible issue here where now because it is sexy, right, to be able to go and be, you know, I, I'm anti-lockdowns, I'm pro-freedom, heck, you even have the the Democrat Florida uh, gubernatorial candidate who's basically touting that, you know, hey, now it's time to move forward, so yeah, it's over, but is there a concern that some of these celebrities who are seeing now that this is could be an avenue to to go down could maybe pretend or I don't know act like they are pro liberty pro freedom but once they get into office show their colors to be entirely opposite yeah that, there's that's absolutely a concern and I'm I'm waiting to see I think Oz is going to be a good example because I'm I'm not afraid of Walker at all. I'm not afraid of Walker, and I'm not afraid of Oz either. Um, but somebody who has kind of expressed some things in the past, who you know has never been, you know, very outspoken about political issues with Oz. I mean, he said some you know progressive things on television, you know, try try to get views and try to get guests on his show and stuff like that. And I get it. I, Trump did the same thing. Um, but I'm interested to see if he wins, how he governs. That's absolutely a concern. Um, I'm for him right now. 
um, I'm for him absolutely right now. I, you know that, that piece was basically those two. That piece was basically an endorsement of Walker and Oz because I want to see how they govern, and I think they're the two best candidates for their states. Um, but I would be very interested to see, especially how Oz governs, and I hope he. I, I have faith that he will. Um, you know, one thing that the one person also that you know you kind of see it fail, and it's going to be interesting to see how the Trump endorsement helps or or if it helps at all is going to be you know JD Vance uh, in Ohio, who is who is a sort of a I would say a minor celebrity, you know, be ha- ha- authoring the uh, book Hillbilly Elegy, which I despise. Um, running in Ohio, you know, the only reason he got famous because he got, you know, he made millions off Appalachian's backs. Um, he's running for the Republican nomination in Ohio, so I'll be really interested to see how much that celebrity succeeds. I think Oz and Walker have a much better chance to win their primaries and to win their elections than than Vance does. Vance probably wins against Tim Ryan if he gets nominated, but it'll be interesting to see if the actual endorsement and his celebrity helps him get through the primary. Um, but I, I'm just going to have to see how they govern. I can I can never make a definite statement on how anybody's going to govern. You, you know, your your uh, question and your uh, somewhat pessimistic view of you know what might happen and if they are just capitalizing to uh, to further their own careers is a very very high concern. I completely understand it completely. Um, I just think for now, when you have somebody like Fetterman running in Pennsylvania, and then you have Walker running against Warnock, I think either of those options are, be- are you know, Oz or uh, uh, Walker are better in those areas. Um, especially if you're McCormick and you are running, I say, a neocon sort of traditionalist conservative campaign, which I'm, I'm traditional establishment campaign that I'm traditionally against. Um, I'm for both of those candidates right now, um, but I've had plenty of disappointments <laughs> among politicians in my life. Uh, you know, I've, I've I've been for politicians and lost politicians for a long time. And as my ideology progresses and my ideology kind of grows, uh, there's been people that I've shut out and politicians that I've shut out myself after I've seen them govern and seen them take office. Um, so that's a very, very high possibility that they disappoint. And I wouldn't also be surprised if they disappoint. But for now, I think these two candidates are, are ideal for their states. Kenny, I'll give you a real life example slash story, right? I remember young little Brian back in 2012, 2011, somewhere in there. I was at CPAC. And there was a young up-and-coming senator, uh, you might know him, Senator Marco Rubio. And uh, at that point in time, he had just given the State of the Union response to Barack Obama. And in that State of the Union response, he made the the infamous, he reaches for the water and takes a, yeah. a big mm-hmm. sip of water, right? So playing to that, and, and obviously a little tongue-in-cheek, uh, at CPAC, he did a giveaway. And the giveaway was a, a water bottle <laughs> for Marco Rubio. Uh, well, guess who won? Yours truly. Really? I know. And I, and he, uh, he signed it. It said, stay thirsty for liberty, Marco Rubio. And fast forward 10 years. Now you and I sitting here and, you know, me being, uh, in the position I am talking to the tens of thousands of listeners. We have the Brian Nichols show and you obviously leading, uh, Cock County GOP and, and talking to a lot of the liberty movers and shakers in the GOP. Would we both say that Marco Rubio is a strong liberty ally? No, no, right? And I guess it's because I've had my heart broken <laughs> that I I am um not necessarily pessimistic. I'll, I'll push back on that word a little bit. I am more a little cautious, right? Sure. On on in endorsing necessarily, but more so I will I will take the the wins and take the 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 people who are going to be allied with our way of doing things. Sure. Uh, definitely, I'll take that. But then, you know, and let's kind of turn this because let's go to actually Marco Rubio's state right now, where he is U.S. senator. We're seeing issues right now in in Florida where you have this uh, so-called the "Don't Say Gay" bill right down in in Florida that was was being uh, 
uh, push there in Florida. And then mm-hmm. Disney goes out and, and based on the push in the market from mostly you know, liberal progressives from cities outside of Florida, uh, said, you need to get involved. You need to take a stand. And what does they do? They, they bent the knee. They took a stand against the bill. And now you're seeing, in response, Florida getting rid of a lot of the special privileges that Disney has been uh, taking advantage of for, I think, from the 60s or so, somewhere in there, yep. where basically they can serve as the, their own self-autonomized government, more or less, uh, as a corporation. Now, us in Libertopia are like, oh, Disney had that? And where can we sign up? Um, yeah. But then you see right now it's happening with DeSantis and the Republicans down in Florida where they're revoking that special privilege. So you can see where there is some non-liberty actions being taken mm-hmm. by government officials in the name of preserving liberty. I, I think that's the argument. And I guess I, I'm a little concerned. I see, and I actually talked about this over on Tim Pool. I see why it's important for us to, you know, play offense and fight back. But sure. are we playing a dangerous game? And we talked about this with Trump and our liberal friends who screeched back in 2016. Well, you're upset because Trump has been able to build up the, or I'm sorry, Trump has been able to use the power built up by Obama. Fast forward to 2020. The same thing happens with Biden now in, in the, the actions that were taken under the Trump administration, being able to use those. So you mm-hmm. see that, you know, okay, let's say that this is something that DeSantis does and it's, that in an, a way that we want to be used, let's say 10 years from now, Florida all of a sudden flips back to a, a blue haven for whatever reason. And now all of a sudden you have a Democratic governor and they're going to use those same powers. Is that a dangerous precedent for us to be focusing on and possibly set? It, it, it really depends. Um, it, it's very strange to me that there is this idea of a corporatist mindset um, that you know libertarians disagree with right now, and I, and I think Let Disney Be an Example was a good, was a good article by by Lich Flowery that I that I uh, gave credit to and, and retweeted. Um, it's it's a very complicated issue, um, and I and I see the libertarian criticisms, and I also see the reasoning. It's very strange that we. The thing about the Disney Corporation is they worked on behest of the of the Florida government for a long time. It's the reason that DeSantis got criticized a few months ago for leaving. I forget which bill it was. Um, I think it may have been like like a free speech bill or something like that. And he left. He made sure to include, or the Florida legislature made sure to include um, theme parks and things like that to get left out. So the the, the problem with criticizing um, the idea of taking these special privileges away is because. Disney acted on behalf of the Florida government for a long time. They were basically a branch off the Florida government, even though they were there on their own self-autonomous state. They're their own county. They're their own government and things like that. Um, the reason they were given these special privileges because of what they gave back to the federal government and gave back to the state government, right? So at what point are we really, is it libertarian to award a corporation for acting on behalf of the government? Like what, there's, what reason is there? I mean, the tax revenue that they generate for Florida, of course, the tax revenue, the money they get back to the state is great, right? I'm sure that's good for the economy. That's great for citizens. That's great for the state government and things like that. But we are giving special privileges to a corporation and basically giving their own self-government because they're acting as a branch on behalf of the state and the federal government. So how libertarian is it really to award a corporation for working about the very thing that we want to shrink? 
it's it's a it's a very it's a, it's a strange idea to me. And I've seen plenty of criticisms, and I understand it. You know, attacking sm- private companies and attacking private corporations is something that a lot of libertarians are against. And, and and overall, I'm against it too. But it's really hard for me to feel sorry for a corporation that's acted on behalf of the government for so long, and now that they have a governor who is saying, "Hey, you know, you're you're going to try to control my government. You're going to try to you know, we, you you've acted on behalf of us for so long. They're going to try to fight back." Or, well, we're going to take your privileges away, this, the privileges that this government awards you for acting on behalf of us anyway. So at what point are we really going to say that it's anti-libertarian or anti-liberty when the corporation itself has basically been a branch of the very thing that me and you as libertarians and me as a Republican libertarian especially fight against every day? I, I fight against the expansion of federal government power every day. To me, the branch that Disney created allowed that expansion either of the Florida government or the federal government for so long. So now they're are being taken away and they're and they're grow they're shrinking. So really, in a sort of a sort of vacuumized idea, is it shrinking the government from a lot allowing this corporation to act on behalf of government policies anymore? They were trying to do it with, with like you said with the don't say gay bill. So now are they trying? Uh, is Florida attempting to shrink a branch that they had really created a monster that they created themselves? So are we really going to say it's anti-liberty or anti-libertarian? When Disney was just a, a arm of the of the state government as it was already. There you go. Well, and, and Kenny, that's exactly why I wanted you to kind of give this perspective because this is the ultimate uh, the ultimate outcome of this corporatist approach to governance that we've had over the past. I think it really has has reared its ugly head over the past 70, 80 years, really since the end of 1945, World War II, where the military-industrial complex really blew up and it opened the doors for a lot of this in bed, you know, with the government. Now, granted, have we seen this throughout history? Of course, big oil. I mean, that you go through the the um, the different um, the barons and the, the different cities and stuff who basically would run their um, their own little you know, pseudo governments outside um, using exactly. their their threat of force, which inevitably the government will ultimately use at the end of the day as well. But this is going to be the the debate and the conversation I think we're going to see moving forward from the economic relationship between state and corporation. And then that, and we have to ask the question too, Kenny, how much are these organizations truly private companies? And this conversation has been happening a lot with Twitter right now, right? You see who's one of the controlling interests in one of the largest stakes at Twitter. It's a Saudi prince. Right. Hold on, timeout, what? And and now all of a sudden, if we're seeing this be the conversation, well, Twitter's a private company owned by governments? That That's yeah. not... That's not how this works. That's it's, it's the old Geico commercial. It's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Um, but uh, I think right now, Kenny, you know, this is definitely going to be the conversation we're going to be seeing happening across the board. It's important for us to, to continue having this conversation. And uh, I also think it's important for us to make sure we're just being cautious, right? Both in terms of who we're bringing in uh, as as representative of our ideas and our principles, but also when we get into office, what are we doing with the power that has been there before? And are we going to be careful to make sure it's not used against us in the future once we've set new precedences? So just things to keep in mind, folks. But with that being said, Kenny, we are unfortunately already hard pressed for time. So we want folks to go ahead and make sure if they want to keep the conversation going, they can easily do so. So folks, where can they go ahead and find you, Kenny, on social media? And also check out your awesome work you've been writing recently. 
Yeah, y'all can follow me at uh, at Katie Cody TN on Twitter, uh, Kenny Cody on Facebook. You all can add me, and uh, I'll post some articles there. Instagram, same way. Uh, I write at Town Hall and Newsmax for right now. Uh, chairman of the Republican Republican Party. You all can just find me. I, I think I've got a muckrack, muck one of those uh, uh, kind of. Uh, article archives or whatever you can go back and look at any piece that i've pretty much ever written uh you can go on my and find any of my pieces and i encourage you all to keep out for new stuff coming awesome all right folks well there's your call to action for today if you enjoyed today's episode i'll give you another call to action why not please go ahead and give it a share when you do please give yours truly a tag at b nichols liberty also by the way did you know that our uh, shop over at proud libertarian we're going to be getting rid of a few items there and you're going to go into the vault for the foreseeable future, uh, including our Don't Nuke Me Bro Joe Biden t-shirt. Make sure you grab yours before it's gone. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Kenny Cody. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Enjoying the audio version of the show? Then you'll love our YouTube channel. Be sure to head over there and subscribe. And if you're new to The Brian Nichols Show, be sure to head to your favorite podcast catcher and click download all unplayed episodes so you don't miss one of our nearly 500 episodes that will be sure to leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. If you got value from today's episode, can you do me a favor and head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash support and leave us a $5 donation? And by the way, have you given the show a five-star review yet? If not, head to Apple Podcasts and tell folks why you listen to the program and don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe too. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty. And again, if you'd be so kind, please consider making a donation to the Brian Nichols Show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Faced with an uncertain future, many business owners and technology professionals don't have the time needed to invest in their business technology strategies. And as a result, they're afraid of their technology getting outdated and putting their company and customers' information at risk. The digital future is already here, but with all different choices in the marketplace, it's difficult to know which one will be the best fit for you and your strategic vision. Imagine having the peace of mind that your business is backed by the right technology investments that are tailored for your specific needs. Hi, I'm Brian Nichols, and I've helped countless business owners and technology professionals just like you, helping you make informed decisions about what technologies are best to invest in for your business. Voice, bandwidth, cybersecurity, business continuity, juggling all the aspects of business technology is messy. Let me help. Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash help and sign up for a free one-on-one consultation with yours truly to dig deep into where you see your company heading and how we can align your business technology towards those goals. Again, that's briannicholsshow.com forward slash help to get your simplified business technology started today.